that, though. <laughs> All right, we're settling back here. That's good. <clears throat> so we are uh, going through the Gospel of John, and um, one of the themes that we're going we're gonna to hit on today is um, being in search of something I have a uh, daily um, like devotional email that I get, and it's been uh, in Proverbs where they're like, diligently seek after and search for and look for wisdom, and, and it, it, it's asking questions about, you know, I, you know do that, how, how would you do that, what would that look like, and, and it makes me, you know, ask myself, am I, you know, diligently seeking after wisdom? Um, what am I intently seeking after? What, you know, what do you, what do you search for? What are you pursuing? Is there something in your life that if it became available, you would trade everything for it? <clears throat> I remember a, an episode of Married with Children, and I hardly ever watched the show, but there was an episode where uh, Al Bundy was, he and his neighbor or his friend were restoring a, a I think it was a 68 uh, Mustang, and they were looking for all these parts, and it was in the days before online, you know, so they're looking through classified ads, and they're going into alleys to try and talk to people, and they were looking for the, for the, the exact right color of the ashtray for the restored thing, and he was, you know, taking all these steps and risks to, to find that one thing. When I was a junior in high school, I was dating a senior, and she was thinking about her future, and, you know, in a conversation, she asked me, what do you want to do with your life? What's something you want to accomplish? What are your goals? So, 17-year-old uh, Saul Cruz, junior in high school, after thinking about it for a moment, my answer was, I really want to own a Jaguar someday. For some reason, that didn't impress her very much. <laughs> um, so Jesus tells this, this parable. He's talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so in Matthew 13, verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So today we're, we're going to be continuing in our, our uh, look at, through the Gospel of John, which John wrote so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus is close to and knows the heart of God Jesus can explain him to us. And we're going to be looking in, in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, where we see Jesus' first disciples, and their reactions to Jesus indicate their excitement over who he is and that they found him and what it means to them. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, I, uh, we just ask that you would 
speak today, that we would hear your words, whether they come out of my mouth or they're spoken into our hearts and our, our minds. We want to experience your presence and your grace today. Amen. So we're, we're hopping from where we ended last week. We're going to be, you know, taking little snapshots throughout the, the gospel. It's really long, but anyway. So um, <clears throat> we're going to be in John chapter 1. Let's, let's start in uh, verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. So John's a prophet. He's got his own disciples. And in um, verses 6 and 7 of John chapter 1, we, we read this. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. This is John's role. This is his job. This is his calling to point people to Jesus, and that is what he does. And then we see in, in verse 37, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. John, did he take a risk there? There's Jesus, and they, <laughs> they take off. So I, I, I had this um, from one of my study books. It says, John provides a genuine model of what it means to be a minister or servant of God. The human tendency is to make a name for ourselves and to attach our names to other people, institutions, and things so that people will remember us to minimize oneself in order for Jesus to become the focus of attention is the designated function of an ideal witness. Did John consider that pointing to Jesus would cause his disciples to follow him? Yeah, maybe, hopefully, right? Because he's there telling people this, there is someone coming, he's better than me, he's bigger than me, he's the Lamb of God, he is who has been promised. There he is, yes! Go follow him. So we'll pick up the story in verses uh, 38 and 39. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God, and two of John's disciples are searching searching for the Messiah, for the anointed one, the Christ, the Lamb of God, the promised one. So they abandon their first teacher and follow the one that they are truly seeking. 
Keep digging in here. So verses 40 through 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So after spending the rest of the day with Jesus, Andrew finds his brother Simon and tells him, we have found the Messiah. John the Baptist was very clear that he was not the light, but he testified about the light. He was not the Messiah, but he is like one crying out in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. John was clearly not pointing at himself, but to someone that was going to be coming along. And when he recognized that Jesus was the one that he was to testify about, he directed his two disciples' attention to Jesus. And they spent time with him, and Andrew is convinced enough to find his brother and proclaim that they had found the Messiah. We have testimonies, and then we have first-hand experience. John the Baptist points to Jesus. Andrew and we're, we're going to presume John the Gospel writer is the other disciple of John the Baptist. Uh, they follow him. Andrew points his brother Simon to Jesus. Simon meets Jesus and he ends up calling him Peter. Let's keep digging in. Uh, verses uh, 43 through 46. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And, and here we, we find, we see Jesus find another local man and he specifically invites Philip to follow him. Here we go back in the scriptures here. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. So in the short passage, we find five men who were searching. They were reading the writings of Moses and the prophets, seeing the promised one of God mentioned over and over. He's referred to as the Messiah, the anointed one. It's only when Nathaniel hears that Jesus is from Nazareth that we see some serious doubt. 
Why is that? So firstly, Nazareth is not mentioned in the Old Testament at all. Nathaniel knows his messianic prophecies, and Nazareth is not included. We know from the Christmas story that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That city is identified by the prophets as the town or the place of the Messiah's birth. Nazareth was where Jesus grew up. So secondly, the town of Nazareth was not a significant city. Uh, it was uh, kind of a, a layover uh, for travelers, um, you know, kind of similar to our history in the city of Omaha, right? People want to go, go, go to California, and they just... <laughs> I think we ran out of money or something. But anyway... <clears throat> So my college textbook on John says this about Nathaniel. Evidently, he felt Philip's declaration that the Messiah was Jesus of Nazareth was a distinct anticlimax. For it was inconceivable to him that the caravan town of Nazareth should produce the Messiah. He possessed high spiritual standards and outspokenly maintained them. Nazareth. And uh, Philip shows himself to be quite wise. By not arguing with him, he simply says, come and see for yourself. So here we go. So as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe that this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. So Jesus makes a statement about Nathanael's character and Nathaniel, probably still on guard, possibly not convinced that a Messiah that comes from Nazareth is legit, questions Jesus, how do you know about me? And whatever the significance is of Jesus seeing him under a fig tree, it causes Nathaniel to testify, identifying him first as rabbi, as his teacher, and then as the son of God and the king of Israel, his doubt is removed immediately. Rather than seeing Jesus as Philip described him as the son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth, Nathaniel states that he is the son of God and the king of Israel. But then we see Jesus challenge him to not stop believing because he will see greater things than this. And here Jesus turns his attention to uh, his growing group of disciples with a plural you in verse 1. Uh, then he said, I tell you, y'all, the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man 
the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. When I read that initially and hadn't you know, done this study, I, I wasn't sure what he was talking about. For these Jewish men who had been studying the law and the prophets in their search for the coming Messiah, they probably would have immediately known what Jesus was talking about. The imagery of angels ascending and descending on a ladder or a stairway is from a dream recorded in Genesis 28. So Jacob, who would later be called Israel, has just stolen his older brother Esau's blessing from their father by tricking his blind father believing that he, Jacob, is actually Esau. Jacob has been sent away by Isaac to uh, his uncle's place to find a wife. And so he's traveling, and he, here we go, Genesis 28, verses 11 and 12. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven, and he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. The dream continues to say that he sees the Lord at the top of the stairs, and he tells him, this land that you're sleeping on is, is, is for you. I'm giving this land to you. Jesus is telling these five men that they will see a version of what Jacob saw in his dream. They will see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down between heaven and earth. But instead of a ladder or a stairway, they will see that the bridge, the ladder, the stairway, the bond that allows access from one to the other is the Son of Man. As Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way that heaven and earth connect. We read last week that Jesus explained the Father to us. But it's more than merely understanding data in our minds. Let's look at these interactions between these men uh, kind of as an application for us, for our own lives. So Andrew and John have Jesus pointed out to them by John the Baptist. They spend time with him. And Andrew is convinced. We know he is because when he goes to find his brother, his statement is, we have found the Messiah. When Andrew spent time with Jesus, he became a believer. Andrew brings his brother Simon to meet Jesus. And I think it's interesting, this is like the only time in Scripture where Peter isn't like, putting his foot in his mouth. He's actually quiet, so this is interesting. Jesus looks intently at him and then says, you are called Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. 
He's barely introduced to Jesus, and Jesus looks right into him and redefines him, re-identifies him. Whatever Peter's past or present looks like, Jesus states that he will be known as a man who is as firm and steady as a rock. And then Jesus purposely searches out and finds Philip to invite him to come and follow him when Jesus decides to go to Galilee. Jesus made sure to personally invite Philip to join him and be a part of his plan. There's not a lot of other details filled in. All we know is that Philip goes to find Nathanael. And he tells him, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. So maybe Philip was friends with Andrew and Peter and they had been having these conversations about the promised Messiah. Philip's exposure to Jesus convinces him that Jesus is the one, the very person. And then Nathaniel, with his understanding of the prophecies and his doubts based on the information that he has at hand, goes from skeptical to all in. Jesus sees Nathanael and gives him a compliment. Here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Nathan responds by asking, how do you know about me? And Jesus replies, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything to you and I. But it arrests Nathaniel. And when, when we take risks and we step into the um, work of the Holy Spirit, we're praying for somebody and we see something and we're like, I, I don't know what that is. A, a Mickey Mouse doll? What? I'm seeing a Mickey Mouse doll and... <gasps> Jesus knows us, and, he, and he's, he's after us, and he wants to heal us, and he can speak these things through each other. Nathaniel calls Jesus rabbi, teacher, as if to pledge his allegiance to Jesus. You are my rabbi, and I am your disciple, right? And then he corrects in his mind what Philip told him. Jesus, you are not the son of Joseph. Joseph, oh boy, I'm having trouble with my, my S's and my F's. Jesus, you are not the son of Joseph from Nazareth. You are the son of God, the king of Israel. Whatever the significance of Jesus telling him that he was seen under the fig tree, it convinced Nathaniel immediately. So whether you are pointed to Jesus by a good teacher or prophet or pastor or 
You're introduced to Jesus by a loved one, a family member. Or you are sought out by Jesus personally. Or you are burdened with doubts about who this guy really is. Jesus' interactions with you can be profoundly personal. He may prophetically re-identify you. He may speak to a hidden thought or desire. Why does he do that? How does he do that? Well, the how is because he is the way, the connection between heaven and earth. Right? He was at the beginning. He was with God. He is God. And the why? He speaks to us in a way that is profoundly personal because he is the closest to the Father's heart. And he explains to us the Father and his heart for us. The purpose of John's gospel is that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing we would have life by the power of Jesus' name. Why? Because that is Jesus' desire. That you would have life by the power of his name. I feel like a four-year-old. Why? Why? Why is that his desire? Because he loves you and he wants you to be free from the power of this world. So as we move into ministry time today, again, we want to lean into the presence of Jesus' spirit in order to hear from him, either for ourselves or for each other. So the worship team will be leading us in one more song. And then if you feel like you've heard from the Lord this morning, we would love to share in what you've heard. We believe that Jesus is still seeking people out and personally inviting them to come follow him. And we believe that he's still speaking into people and saying, I see who you are, and I see who you're going to be. And we believe that he's still finding people, and he knows you. How do, how do you know about me? I, I, can, I can see you. I see you. And, and he sees those places where we have hung all of our questions and all of our doubts and all of our, I don't, I don't get it, right? And he can speak into that. He, figuratively, he sees you under that fig tree. What, whatever that means, whatever the, you know, whatever is relevant to, to where you're at this morning. And so we want to we step into that. We want to lean into that. We, we want to say, yeah. What do, you, what do you have to say to us? And, and, um, 
what, what someone may need to hear is what he says to you. So let's, let's take a risk. I, I, we'll, we'll pray real quick. And if you guys want to stand for worship, that, that's fine too. Heavenly Father, would you, um, would you make your presence really tangible to us right now? Would you open our ears so we can hear? Would you open our eyes so we can see? And um, we just say, come Holy Spirit.